Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. So, guys, we have a great guest on today, um, Gina Horatis. And I met Gina about a week or two ago. I was speaking at the local St. Louis Association of Real Estate Investors, um, and it was a good group. And I was talking about wholesaling lease options, and Gina happened to be there because she was in town. You live on the in, in Portland, Seattle, somewhere over there, right, Gina? Yeah, I'm in a suburb of Seattle. Okay, good. And you were in St. Louis to um, teach a class of, of wholesalers, right? Yeah, brand new investors, and it focuses on wholesaling. Great. So we're going to get in your story here in a little bit. Um, but one of the things in my presentation I talked about is the easiest way to make money in real estate is to do what's easy. And so many times we complicate this business. And I think, Gina, you probably talk about that a lot to your students and your clients, how to keep things simple and just yes. to keep things basic and don't complicate it. Don't overanalyze it. Just take action, right? Absolutely. It's that... so easy. It's so easy to complicate anything, even, for example, ordering your business cards. How long do you think that should take? Well, if you do order any of them, which I don't <laughs> know if you need to, but right. it, it should take you 5, 15 minutes max. Exactly. And one of the things I find with new investors is they just put way too much thought and energy in directions that does not result in getting deals done. Yes, um, so anyway, Gina, um, I wanted to introduce you to our podcast listeners. You do a lot of deals in Seattle, and you also work closely with the one and only famous Dean Graciosi. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dean's my mentor and good friend. I like Dean a lot. I've got two of his books here on my bookshelf, and uh, I've, I've read through some of them. I haven't read all of them yet, but I, I love his passion for real estate. I mean, isn't it contagious to hear him talk about real estate and and uh, listen how he gets so excited when he's helping people absolutely make money. Um, that's the that's the kind of guy that you can learn a lot from. Somebody who is passionate about the business and doing a lot of deals, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Dean does dozens and dozens of deals a month, and uh, his passion is so real. I mean, when you have the opportunity to be with a guy in person, you kind of have Dean withdrawal afterwards because his energy is like nobody I've ever met. Awesome. That's funny. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's doing deals in Phoenix. That's where he lives, right? Yeah. Um, he focuses mostly out of town though, as well. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to go where the numbers make sense. Got a lot of stuff going on in Kansas city and St. Louis and, and so forth. All those good territories that you know real well. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen him on TV. This isn't a podcast about Dean cause I really want to talk about you. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people see those guys on TV and think, yeah, you know, they make more money teaching or selling courses than they do. They don't do any deals, really. Or if they did, mm -hmm. if they haven't done a deal in 20 years. But that's not what you found in, in, in a guy like Dean. Is that right? No, absolutely not. I mean, the authenticity is for real. I mean, Dean actually, uh, just a few months, well, maybe a year ago now, he actually put a book out of all of his deals just to provide that evidence. And, you know, one of the things I love about working in Dean's organization is, any of us who are involved are involved have to be active investors. We have to submit paperwork on our deals regularly. So there's no 
you know, theory, just sales hype here. It's learning from, you know, real people that are doing real deals. And that's Dean. And, you know, I imagine because I see this a lot, you know, people who do make money selling education get a bad rap. They um, get criticized, I think, unfairly sometimes. And there are some bad apples out there. Oh, and sure. I'm sure Dean makes a lot of money teaching and selling coaching. But I've always, and I've said this before, I thank God for gurus, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I thank God for the guys who are willing to stick their neck out on the line and teach this stuff and be willing to make money with it because that's not something to be ashamed of or be embarrassed of. You're, when you're teaching this stuff, you're actually making a difference in people's lives. And you've seen that over and over again, haven't you, Gina? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we are obligated to teach others because this, this business of real estate investing has totally changed my life. And to me, it's a real privilege and a, and a blessing to be able to go out and get people kick-started in that opportunity as well. And, you know, I think sometimes people look at the marketing and, and things can grow into a big organization. They think people are getting really fat and rich with it. Really, the dribble-down effect of the profit is not as much as people think. We could make far more money I'm grouping myself with Dean, you know, yeah. just doing more deals than the time that goes into the education. Right. But I think, you know, being an educator makes you a better investor as well. Well, you know what I've found since I've been coaching a lot of people since I've been teaching and coaching, I think, myself since 2010, 2011. I've learned a ton of things from my students. Like I have clients oh, yeah. in, uh, who live in other countries, Malaysia and Lebanon, um, uh, England and different parts of the world that are doing wow. deals here in the U.S., and they're forced to be creative, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, how can you do deals if you live that far away? And I've learned some amazing things from them, tools and systems and, and uh, how they automate their business. Yeah. That's, that's a big advantage. All right, so, Gina, um, one of the things I was uh, telling you while we were talking in St. Louis is I wish we had more women on the podcast. And uh, <laughs> we, you know, there's not a lot of women out there investing um and you know for whatever reason that is but can you talk a little bit about your story you mentioned it a little bit what we were talking i thought it was really cool mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about your story and how you got started in this business yeah absolutely joe it uh, actually kind of fell into it by accident to tell you the truth or to me it was more like god put a door in front of me and i had the courage to walk through it yeah but um and, and before i start into my story which i will real, real quickly here but I, I got to just contradict you a little bit here and say I know a ton of successful real estate investors, which are women. And okay. I would I'd love to get you in touch with some of them because we're pretty <laughs> proud about the movement here. So I'm embarrassed now because I mean, <laughs> no, no. I just don't have a lot of women friends for obvious reasons, I guess. But right. um, I, most of the guys that I know, most of the people we've had on this podcast have been men. And that's just maybe because of the circles I, I kind of am comfortable with or whatever. But uh, I wish I knew more um, successful women in this business doing real estate. Well, you know, and I think it's time we get the word out. And I'm so grateful that you invited me to be on your podcast because not only are there a lot of successful women, um, it's such a unique opportunity for anybody, but I think especially for women because women tend to do as I did, and I guess that will lead into my story, we have to reinvent ourselves rather regularly in life. And, you know, I myself, I, I worked at IBM when I got out of college, did what I knew I was supposed to do, you know, went to college, found a good job, met a guy who I'm still married to 35 years later, madly in love. 
Thank you. You know, we've got four wonderful children, and when we um, decided to have kids, we made the decision that I would stay at home. And it was right for us, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. God bless How, you. Thank you. Um, and I love my kids to death. Uh, they're, they're the best thing that ever happened in our lives. But, you know, we got to the point where two of them, John and Liz, the oldest two, were in college at the same time. And we had tried to be good stewards of our finances, and we had put aside a college fund and all that stuff you're supposed to do. But it's shocking how much that can cost. And yeah. we found ourselves taking out a bigger and bigger home equity line of credit on our house. And that was making us feel really uncomfortable. I had been teaching some piano lessons. I was taking more and more students. And, you know, it's a great way to make a little money sitting in your living room drinking your latte, but uh, doesn't, doesn't cover college tuition. Yeah. So <laughs> one night, literally, it's kind of funny. My husband and I were feeling kind of grumpy, you know, surfing channels. And uh, we actually saw a, a thing about infomercials on 2020 or 60 Minutes, one of those, which yeah. is just kind of funny that you know, it was coincidence. And then wow. my, hus my husband, Nick, went to bed and I stayed up surfing channels and on comes this infomercial and it was Dean. So and was the was the thing from 60 Minutes, whatever you said, was it favorable to infomercials? Overall, I would say it was. It was just pointing out, you know, who who has the best speakers and what are their results and why do they do that. But yeah, infomercials are a powerful marketing technique. Yeah, okay. not not cheap, of course. But right. Yeah, but anyway, you know, on came Dean on this infomercial, and there was something in his eyes. You know, the guy's genuineness, if that's a word, yeah, just shines through. And I honestly felt like he was speaking directly to me and you know it was this is the best time in real estate to make money and don't let this time pass you by and just buy these two books right but well, what so, uh, what year was that uh that was 2009 okay yep 2009 i was 54 at the time hadn't worked outside of the house in 20 some years nothing on my resume no idea how i was going to bring in some substantial income to the family wow um, you know, I had lady friends in the same sort of situation who were starting to go back to community colleges to get a medical coding degree or going to go get a job at Costco or, you know, starting to clean houses. And I didn't want to do any of that. I mean, I was doing better at piano already anyway. So I thought, you know, what the heck? And I remember so distinctly, I walked to the phone to dial the 800 number and I'm listening to this recording and I was embarrassed even to myself. Now, this is like, this is stupid, right? Who buys something from an infomercial and changes their life? So I started to go to bed and then I was passing my computer. So I decided to do a little search and found a website where I could even get the books for free at the time. So, but you did, uh, you called the number and you, they just, you ordered the books, right? Well, I didn't order them on the phone because as I said, I just started feeling stupid. Oh, okay. And so I, I you hung up. up. And ordered, I did. I did, which, you know, I think is kind of very typical. And anybody out there who's, you know, feeling a little nervous to jump into a new life, we've all been there, right? Yeah. So, but I did. I went, I went and ordered them online that same night and crawled into bed and said something to Nick like, I'm going to be a real estate millionaire, right? Right. <laughs> he kind of moaned and rolled over. And that was the beginning of the story. I got the books. Of course, as soon as you order books in any good marketing organization, you get calls to get further education, right? Yeah. So 
Go ahead. You had a question? You know, it's funny how <laughs> a lot of our journeys have started with infomercials. You know, mine started with Carlton Sheets. So, oh, yeah. yes. You know, watching the Carlton Sheets infomercials because when I was in uh, you know, the apartment with my wife, we didn't have money for cable, so you know one of the cool things to watch, I guess, is infomercials. You know, from right. from workout machines to real estate to home appliances. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and how, I got you know, started with uh, Rich Dad, the book, Rich Dad. Poor Dad. Yeah, awesome. But you know, well, I used to sit. I actually used to sit in Barnes and Nobles, yeah, um, in the uh, real estate. Uh, aisles and just mm-hmm. sit there and read through some of the books, you know, reading like from Peter Conti and yeah. Yeah. Robert Sheeman and all them. And it's oh. funny now, you know, you know, thinking back then, it's like, wow, I never thought, you know, you'd be in a position where you're, you know, in the same group with these people online with their, nice. you know, the JV update threads and all that stuff. It's, well, you, it's pretty, you pretty know, amazing. I'm going to harp on this again because um, the, give these guys a break for heaven's sake. You know, I, I hear this criticism all the time on some certain forums online and mm-hmm. people criticize these gurus and I just, I just want to yell at them. Shut up, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you have no idea how many lives they have changed. They've changed my lives and yeah. Okay. Maybe there's some bad apples again, but, and maybe some people, um, are spending or wasting too much money on bad education, but I can't tell you how many people we've interviewed on this podcast or other people mm-hmm. that I know. Who got started by watching some late night infomercial, um, some quote unquote get rich quick scam, and um, but you know what? They bought this stuff and they decided to do something with it. Yes, that's you know, for the, the most key. part. This information to give is, you know, the information is real, and what you do with it is what is you know is what makes the difference. Uh, well, any the anything you know is like that. So. Well, also, real quick, Gina, I wanted to give Alex a hard time because you, you had to get off the phone. But I did. <laughs> you sent me a text saying it was, it was a seller that was hard to get. You were setting up a closing. It's yes. a seller that's a hard to get a hold of. And it's just a small little $30,000 deal, right? Just a small deal, you know. So <laughs> well, this, guy, you. this guy has been hunting in the mountains of West Virginia, and his phone will not he he doesn't turn his phone on. So when he oh. called me, like I've been trying to get a hold of this guy for like two weeks. Everything is set for the assignment at the closing and everything. And my my buyer's like, I need, you know, I'm ready to go on Friday. Is the guy gonna be here or not? And I'm just <laughs> been trying to call this guy over and over and over and over again. Well, so that's and when okay. he called me, I, I had to go. <laughs> that's okay. And also, ladies and gentlemen, you'll notice Alex has a new microphone. Doesn't he sound Woo-hoo! good? Round of applause. <laughs> Woo! It's, I keep on giving him a hard time because his audio is always bad. It's and good now. It's really good now. You sound like a radio co- uh, host or something like that. Yeah, but, we're moved up a level in your book because of my microphone. <laughs> now we just need to, everybody needs to email Alex to get a new computer. His computer is about eight years old. No. Yeah. Wait a minute. You make it 30. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Alex, you're making 30. $30,000 on this deal you're working on? I think you can buy a computer. <laughs> I could, and it would be tax deductible, right? There you but, go, absolutely. But you know, it works, it's fast, and... It's not fast, Alex. It is fast. No, it's, it's very... not. It's, you're, just, you're just used to slow. Oh, man. You're used to slow, and that's fine, you know, but you don't know You know, fast. I talked, you know, not to get off track, but I talked to uh, Chris Chico the other day uh-huh. about the computer issue, and he's like, 
you know, you could just upgrade your RAM and, and you, you know, it'll put you right very close to where everything else is and it'll cost you like a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, well, no, don't listen to Chico. (laughs) (laughs) No, anyway, sorry, Gina. Um, didn't want to distract from what you were saying. I think it's good that we talk about this though, because, um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are teaching or selling information and, uh, yeah, they make good money at it, but I want to, I want to tell everybody what's, there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> and, and so what if somebody makes more money teaching and coaching than they do actually doing deals? As long as they're doing deals, I think it's important yes. that if you are going to teach and coach people, you need to be doing deals yourself. Yeah. I don't think you have any right teaching if you're not active in it. Correct. Uh, you know, you mentioned Robert Sheeman. He's another guy that's been very influential in me and my education. And that's another sincere man. I don't know if you've ever actually taken a course from him. He gives you his, your, his cell phone when yeah. you take one of his courses and he answers. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Robert cool Sheeman had a book at one of the best books that I've ever read that got me started in the business called the secrets of a millionaire landlord. And in that book, I owned some rental property at the time, and I was about ready to pull out whatever hair I had left, so stressed out. And he had a chapter on <laughs> lease options. Uh-huh. And that was the first time I'd heard of that. It really opened my eyes to the benefits of lease options. And, uh, you know, I've been to Robert Sheeman's seminars. He's he's a real down-to-earth guy. Yeah, he's a super cool guy. Okay, so um, Gina, so- you were talking about your story. You, you uh, stay-at-home mom. God bless you for that. Thank you. You had four kids. Yep. And um and 2009 you you buy some books. <laughs> exactly. But you didn't just read the books and put them back on the shelf. What did you start doing next? No. Uh well, and I I bought some some more advanced education from the same group that Dean's involved with and um found it to be excellent education. I, and I think quite honestly, most of the gurus out there do provide excellent education. The key is, as you've been dancing around here already, is you've got to implement Mm -hmm. all the information in the world, no matter how much or how little you pay for it, will do you absolutely no good if you don't do something with it. You know, so I would say I'm kind of an instruction follower to a fault. I mean, I never roll through a stop sign. You know, I stop. (laughs) (laughs) When I get a new dishwasher, I read the manual and do what it says. Hmm. So that trait, as annoying as it might be to my husband, really served me well in getting educated and investing in real estate because if my mentors and my courses were saying go to a county auction and meet buyers well I went to a county auction and met buyers you know so I just I mean I kind of locked myself in my den for a couple of months and got educated to the point where I felt like I could implement but you can't delay implementing too long that's the other thing because you never know enough right? You never feel like you know enough. I bet you guys still feel that way. I mean, there's always more to learn, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you learn by doing, right? That's it. You learn by doing. So I just got out there and start making offers. And um, I started in my hometown of Seattle, suburbs of Seattle. And my first flip, um, you know, (laughs) I found a good contractor. That's always the hard part. Happened to find a great guy, found a new realtor who was willing to put in tons of offers with me. And we got a house renovated and sold in about, what was it, under 12 weeks, and I made two years' worth of piano teaching income, okay? So it was, you know, <laughs> wow. good incentive. And so I hung around Seattle for a while and did a couple more flips and some lease options. And then I was at another event that uh, Dean holds yearly. It's called The Edge out in Phoenix. In fact, yeah. 
I should go this year, May 1st to 3rd, I think, or 2nd to 4th, something like that. But um, I heard another great investor, Ali Safavi is his name, amazing guy, and he's talking about remote investing and building power teams. And I'm like, why am I playing in Seattle where the numbers are in the hundreds of thousands, right? Yeah. And I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. So I kind of had a sense of familiarity there, although I was wrong once I got back. I didn't know the neighborhoods anymore. But I just left determined that by the time I returned that following year, that I would own 10 cash flowing properties in the Cleveland area. Wow. Yeah. Because the, of the low price tags? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, I was when I started in Cleveland, which is oh, probably three years ago now, I could buy nice houses for 40000 in first ring suburbs, I, my personal preference is I don't work inner city. I work kind of that first ring, entry level, safe neighborhood. And uh, you could buy a house for forty, renovated for say ten to fifteen, and rent it for nine hundred to eleven hundred. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, and the numbers have not changed that drastically. Right. You might have to add another ten thousand onto your all-in number, but you can still get incredible cash flow. You contrast that to my Seattle deals, and this is what people don't get about, like, why do you go remote? In Seattle, I'm going to have to have 150 to 225 in an entry-level neighborhood easily, yeah. easily, yes. right? And then it's going to rent for 1600 bucks. Well, there's no money in that. You know, so anyway, that's why I went remote, and I got my 10 houses. And here's the cool thing I learned. I was not all that big on setting goals when I got into this because I kind of felt like, hey, you know when you're successful, right? That's when you're making money. But I've kind of changed that. I really do believe we achieve what we set out to achieve and we define it specifically. And I said 10 houses, I got 10 houses. Now, did you buy those cash or did you finance them? I, I bought those cash. Um, I put some in self-directed IRA. Awesome. I, yeah, bought some with the profits from flipping houses in Seattle. And I use an awful lot of private money. Okay. Yep. Gina, how did you, because a lot of people get this, get paralyzed with fear. They call it analysis of paralysis. Right. Analysis of analysis, whatever. And you're learning all this stuff. How did you keep yourself from being overwhelmed with all this information? And how did you start taking that kind of massive action? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Um, and I'm not going to say I wasn't overwhelmed. I'm not going to say I wasn't fearful. Um, but I was very determined. Number one, quite frankly, I want to make sure I earn back the money I invested in the education and in setting up a business. That was some incentive right there. Oh, yeah. But, uh -huh. you know, but number two, I, I think I'm going to be really honest with you here. I, I said, as I mentioned already, that I felt like a door was put in front of me. And I firmly believe in this life, we all have opportunities that are placed in front of us. Um, and the way I look at it is by God, right? And I felt very led that this was a future and this was something I could do. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. And so when I would have all those negative thoughts creeping in and, and the the fear and people would, I mean, I lost a best friend because she thought I was so ridiculous doing this and I couldn't listen to her. Really? Oh yeah. You know, when I would tell her about it, she would be so negative that finally I said to her, I cannot talk to you about this. And it really did end the friendship, but I would not let anything hold me back. You know, my husband had worked really hard, has always had a decent job. And I think Joe, what actually kept me going, we talk a lot about this in, in Dean's education, is knowing your reason why, you know, 
it, it's yeah. not about making money. Um, I mean, that's always the starting point. But most of us in America are blessed enough that we do have a roof on, over our head. You know, we have sufficient food. Um, I, I was not going to stop eating or my family was not going to not have food any longer if I didn't make this work. And I think most of us are like this. So you really have to search within yourself to find the driver. And for me, one day, I had been doing this for about a year or so already, and one day I looked at my husband and I saw what had become of him. And I don't mean to be melodramatic here, but, you know, he's just in a corporate world, right? But it had so sucked the life out of him. His eyes were beginning to look sort of hollow and he wasn't laughing and he had gained weight and he would come home and sit down in front of the TV. And I got so angry one day and I said, like, that is enough. I have the education and the tools to set him free. And I, that, that's when I really, really, a light bulb went on. I had this burning reason inside of me to go after this. And I set a goal that in 18 months I'd have X amount of passive income. And so did you do that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, what happened is that in six months, as life can sometimes have its own timetable, my husband lost his job. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that could have been totally devastating um, if it wasn't for real estate. And I had already created a good amount of passive income. I had remote markets doing flips. And we were able to very comfortably sail through that time. Nick took like a year off. He you know, pursued his passions. He did some local acting. He lost weight. His health improved. I mean, it was such a blessing. And that's, wow. I think, just a reason I'm, I'm so passionate about getting people going on this path. We don't have to be stuck with what life has handed us. We can take charge. That's really good. I love the name of your company, too, Victory Ventures. Is that right? <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So No, it is all about quality of life. Yeah. You know, it's not you know, how much money can I make, but it's how much how much life say, can I have? Yeah, that's I don't right. want to say easy, you know, how much easier can I make my life, you know, but it's you know, how much life can how much quality of life can I have? How much time can yep. I have without well, having to worry about you know, without having to worry about, oh, man, you know, I got to go to this job for this long in order yeah. to make this happen, you know? Well, you know, and here's a Robert Sheeman quote. Robert says, first of all, he goes, I give you permission to be rich. And then he goes, I believe it to be your obligation to make as much money as you possibly can so that you can do as much good in the world as you possibly can. You, you know, you can only contribute the amount of money that you have to contribute. You can only volunteer the amount of time that you have free to do so. So I'm, I see nothing wrong with going after the money so you can do more good, good in the world. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, I mean, what, how cool is that, though? Your husband loses your job, his job, and, and most families would have really, that might have been a very, very difficult, stressful time for most families. Yep. And you are already... By this time, were you already wholes were you wholesaling any properties, or were you just buying? You had some passive income from properties. I was really not wholesaling at that point. It was just passive, in or yeah, the passive income, and then flipping houses because I flip houses with remote teams as well. Okay, so you it sounds to me like you do several things, Gina. You have um, 
you, you've done rehabbing. You, you do you buy buy and hold properties, put tenants in them, and get some right. income from that. Yep. You also do wholesaling. Yep. What do you? How do you teach people right now to get started in the business? What should they focus on first? Well, I'm I'm going to agree with the with the curriculum that I teach. I think that the safest, most comfortable way to get started is with wholesaling. And there's two big reasons for that, in my opinion. First of all, you don't need money. You don't need good credit, right? You, you just connect a seller and a buyer. And you, so you don't have anything on the line except your time. Um, there's virtual, there really is no risk if you do this correctly. I mean, you can't even lose your earnest money if you do it correctly. So it's a great way to learn the business. It's a great way that anybody can get started, whether you have funds or not. The second good reason, I think, to start with wholesaling is as you build relationship with cash buyers and go searching for the kinds of deals they want, you learn where those good deals in those neighborhoods are and what numbers make sense. So you're kind of learning the business as you're supplying deals to your cash buyers. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Um, no, it's it's like training in the trenches almost. I mean... Wholesaling is a something you can do all on its own. You know, it can be a standalone thing that you do and really blow up and make a ton of money at, yep. or it can be, you know, the the beginning ground to um, other things. Like for me, you know, I'm I'm wholesaling what I feel like. I guess you can put it that way, and I will rehab or do new construction projects on mm-hmm. um, other things. You know, so I can. It kind of depends on what I can make up front on it. If it's something that I can make five or ten thousand up front, mm-hmm. or if I could go long and make forty or fifty, I'll probably shoot for the forty or fifty. But if it's you know somewhere where it's going to be like a twenty thousand, if I have to rehab it or something like that, then yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the five or ten every time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and the thing that I personally was slow at learning is that wholesaling isn't just for beginning. You know, when I started, I didn't start with wholesaling because I had a HELOC I could use. But, you know, it took me a while to figure out, well, my gosh, just because I don't have to wholesale doesn't mean I should miss this opportunity to make quick little chunks of money. You know, when you're flipping houses, you look at a lot of deals anyway, right? And you don't want them all. So pass them on. That's good. Now, you still... You still buy and hold properties. When do you decide when to wholesale it, when to keep it and hold on to it? I Well, you know, I think we all come up with our own preferences to what we want to hold, right? I'm, I happen to be pretty picky about what I want to hold, and my, that may not even be the best. I should probably be a little more liberal in it. But nonetheless, when I go after properties in the neighborhoods I want, my first intent is that I'm going to hold those myself or flip them. Um, but I put offers in in a wider range of neighborhoods with the intent of mostly wholesaling those. Not sure that answered your question. No, that makes sense. You're, so you're approaching it as the buyer. Yes. Yes. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to buy the house and, and you can wholesale it if you want to. Exactly. Okay. So, um, you, when you're working with somebody who's new, Gina, you are first walking them through <clears throat> or introducing them to wholesaling. Um, why don't you guys focus more on rehabbing, you know, buying a property mm-hmm. to fix it up and sell it for a big profit like all the TV shows have because it makes <laughs> it looks so easy, right? Oh yeah, just snap your fingers and it's all done, right? You know, I love Simple. 
Yeah. I, I really love flipping houses. I do. I like the amount of money that you can make on it. I like um, that you have created a beautiful home. You're improving the neighborhood. You've employed all kinds of people. Everybody's happy making money. However, it is very risky. Um, and until a year ago, I used to proudly stand up and say, oh, I've never lost money on a deal. And people would laugh and say, well, we haven't done enough deals yet. And we can partner that with, I've never had a lawsuit. And uh, yeah. yeah, so last year I got to lose money and get involved in a legal battle. So I guess I've done enough deals now, right? Welcome <laughs> to the club. <laughs> yeah, thank wow. You. But you know what? Um, again, everything you learn about wholesaling is totally 100% applicable to when you want to flip a house or you want to hold it yourself. Because in order to wholesale a deal, you have to be able to estimate what the renovations are going to cost so you can tell your cash buyer. So if you want to flip it yourself, you know how to run those numbers just the same. So, you know, if you've got the cash, if you've got some experience behind you, you understand what neighborhoods to pick, you understand what makes a reasonable rehab, I'm all in favor of flipping. Just know that there's a lot more risk involved. Right. Okay. Um Gina, you're doing deals virtually right now. How many different markets are you in? Uh, I guess four right now. I'm still still at home wholesaling. I only wholesale in Seattle, although I've got some <laughs> got some private investors who want to do a deal here, and I'm like, why? But okay, if they want to flip a house here, we'll find one, right? Okay. Uh, so you're you're not wholesaling in other markets. Um, to, to a lesser extent, I am, but I, I spend most of my energies in the other markets um, putting my own money to use in those of my investors for holds and flips. Okay. All Somebody's right. phone call. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was mine. <laughs> Joe. S- speaking of investors. Maybe it's a big money deal, Joe. You know, it is one of my wholesalers. <laughs> cool. I, money uh, call. I would. I, I, was, I was almost tempted to put him on speaker so you guys could listen in because... He's probably calling about a deal. He always, usually when he calls me, he's excited. He just got a deal under contract that's going to make us a lot of money. That's so great. But, um, okay, so you're wholesaling deals in Seattle, mm-hmm. and um, you're mainly buying buy and holds in other markets. Buy and holds and flips, yeah. I've been flipping okay. and holding in suburbs of Cleveland, Detroit, Jacksonville, North Carolina, Toledo. Uh, we're working on a team in Tulsa. We're working on a team in St. Louis. Watch out. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what kind of team do you have to build when you're doing that? Well, one of my favorite people to get on a team is another investor or wholesaler. And it sounds like you've got you know an army of wholesalers working with you and That's one of the best ways to go about building a team, I think, is to find somebody active in the market who is successful and start up teaming with them. Um, A second person, of course, is a good real estate agent. And I feel, talking about St. Louis, I feel fortunate. I think I met a great agent at the Real Estate Investment Club meeting that night. Oh, really? Good. Yeah, yeah. And, And then, of course, contractors, which... I really like to get on strong referrals from those other wholesalers or the real estate agents who can report good things because that can be the most difficult part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's how I start. And it's funny how you find people. I mean, my first remote market, of course, was Cleveland. And I found my agent on Facebook. Okay. Nice. Yeah. 
And it's a guy who had been investing himself and had his own real estate office for like 30 years, knows the market incredibly well. So that's where I started. And he knew a contractor and the contractor knew property management and, and so forth. So, you know, people think it's so much riskier than doing it at home. But you know what? Whether you go past your rehab every day or you get weekly or biweekly photos and videos of what's going on, you can keep your pulse on it. And either way, there's a certain amount of trust you've got to put in your team. And either way, they can rip you off. You know, That's so, right. Yeah. I love remote because, for one thing, I'm never tempted to do those things that an investor shouldn't be doing. Like, I'm not the one scrubbing the toilet and trimming the shrubs, right? <laughs> well, the other big advantage, too, is you, you don't get emotionally attached to a property, right? Exactly. A deal is a deal or it's not. You look at the numbers. You look at the fundamentals. And uh, mm -hmm. you're not getting tied up with all of the emotional attachment that, that maybe would skew your uh, – decision-making process, something like that. I don't know if I've ever been emotionally attached to any of my properties. <laughs> well, okay, that's good. Yeah. You know, I had that problem in the beginning, and I think that is a typical beginner's problem when you're actually physically walking through houses and you're thinking about the things you like, and it becomes emotional. I mean, I remember picking out the light fixtures for my first flip in Seattle area, right? I would go to Lowell's, and then I'd go to Home Depot, and then back to Lowell's, and then oh, I had to go to brother. Seattle Lighting, right? Because it had to be, well, now I have a recipe for a flip. You know, the, these are the materials we use. Here's the SKU numbers. Contractor, go buy them, period, right? And so it, it does, out of necessity, become unemotional, which allows you to get deals done faster. Yeah, that's good. You have a recipe. I like that. So it's yeah. just every deal is the same thing, right? Every flip looks exactly the same. I have a list literally of every fixture, every appliance, every carpet, every tile that goes into a house. I know what the material costs. I know what Lowell's would cost me to install it. So I've got a checkpoint there and my contractors simply have it. I even have a backup SKU number because if that light fixture is on a stock, I don't want a phone call. Just get this other one. Wow. So did you come nice. up with all that stuff yourself or did you find somebody else who had that and copied it? Um, it's part of the curriculum I teach, to be honest with you, Joe. Oh, I just copied okay. what those who went before me did and man, does it work nicely. Nice. Yeah. So your house is, I mean, talk about maybe the general finishes that you have in a house. That sure. Have. Sure. And again, you have to keep in mind we're investing, I'm investing in those entry-level neighborhoods, you know, a typical three-bedroom, 1,000 to maybe 1,500-square-foot house. So this is not your high-end. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make that house look brand spank and new. It's going to be neutral, and it's going to be contemporary. So every renovation is going to have all new flooring. It's going to have all new light fixtures. It's going to have all new interior paint. Um, oftentimes we need new interior doors because, you know, those mismatch or half of them are missing. Even if we don't need doors, we need all new, um, finishes. So all the doorknobs, the hinges, the pulls, the lights, they're all going to be the same finish. I'm still going with brush nickel on everything. Although I'll tell you that antique bronze is running in strong. That's what I do. Is it yeah. coming back? Oh, not brass. I mean, not shiny brass. Oil like, rub bronze. That's right. it. I put. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm going to do. And in, white in... cabinets, too. Oh, really? Now, see, yeah. that's very market-specific, I think. 
Yes. You know, this is one of the things that I know is you've got you've to visit some open houses or have your team visit some open houses of houses that are renovated and you go with what is normal in your market. You know, white's great some places, other places not. But, uh, you know, renovating kitchens, uh, if it's going to be a flip, I'm almost always taking out the cabinets and putting in no, new cabinets. I just use the stock cabinets from Lowell's or Home Depot, again, with whatever finish is typical in that area. A new kitchen sink and faucet. Most of the neighborhoods I'm in, we can get away with a nice laminate counter. If we have to go solid surface, we'll put in a low-end granite or quartz. New bathrooms. Um, you what, know, if, What kind of appliances do you put in? I put in stainless appliances. I can buy a four-piece package, a uh, refrigerator, range, dishwasher, microwave that goes above the range in stainless for 2000 bucks anywhere in the country. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody can figure that out. Go to Lowell's and look. You know, we, we tend to think, oh, a refrigerator costs $2,500. Well, this isn't for your house, and these are small kitchens. Yeah. So you do what's reasonable. <laughs> I wish my refrigerator was that cheap. I know. <laughs> Just bought one from my home. I would be embarrassed to tell you what it costs. I would be too. But it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, Alex, your refrigerator is top of the line, brand new, right? Well, actually, when <laughs> I, I am building a house for myself, uh, I think I've said that before, and uh, it, this one will definitely be nice. Um, however, what I'm looking for is, uh, you know, like a Ferguson. I don't know if you have those around you. But uh, one of the uh, main manufacturing companies to get what they're just getting off of display, and you get a, mm -hmm. a pretty good deal that way, and the same stuff pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking out for that deal. I hate paying retail for anything. Oh, me too. Speaking of Ferguson, off-topic bunny trail <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> you you heard of Ferguson in the news, right? Now, are we talking? You talking like the lighting and appliance? No. <laughs> Ferguson, oh. like with the Michael Brown shooting. Oh, that Ferguson. In yeah, the riots, okay. you know, here in St. Louis. First of all, let me say this. A lot of what you see in the news is just overblown and really hyped. Like, it's it's not as bad as they make it sound on the news, right? Okay. On the media. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, it's it's an area that a lot of wholesalers are still wholesaling properties in. It's still a good area. It's a good Median-priced, middle-income mm -hmm. neighborhood where you can get some really good rentals in there. Maybe median, a little lower than median. Um, but anyway, we've been sending out a lot of postcards, and the city of Ferguson actually contacted us. Someone from the city of Ferguson oh, actually boy. contacted us and asked us to stop mailing postcards what? to people in their city. Can you believe that? That's no. a, Wow, that's a first. Well, I, I wanted to, my assistant took the call, but I thought, did they call all the local grocery stores that send out those flyers and ask them to stop mailing as well? And what about yeah. Domino's Pizza or Pizza Hut, all those pizza companies? Did they call them and ask them to stop putting things in the mail? I mean, it's just a little simple postcard. You know, I've thought about it. Um, and I think because it looks such like a personalized piece, you know, or mm. that it's, it's mail merged to look like it's directly for that person, I think... Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I don't know. Well, because, just said, and that's an advantage to using like a branded piece that doesn't have all that mark. You know, you can just send that out, and they, people can't say, "Oh, 
stop sending you're targeting me you know because it doesn't have their it's not mail merged you know so it doesn't look like you sent it directly to them well that's interesting now if i can ask you alex um when you do your 1-800 fair offer mail yes you're not personalizing it you're not are you saying dear homeowner um basically what it says is not necessarily even dear homeowner it just it, it's it's a glossy, multicolored thing that says we're going to be buying houses in your market. If you'd like yours to be considered, give us a call. You want a fair offer? Call one eight hundred fair offer. Are you, so, are you getting good results with that? It's always mixed. You get different calls from that than you get from the personalized stuff. Right. So you mix it up. Yeah, you got to mix it up, especially if you can. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think what's happening, too, is a lot more investors are sending direct mail now than have ever yeah, I mean, in the past. Oh, yeah. The, there, there's, uh, it, it's getting a lot of media coverage, too. I mean, you saw the article, right, where they, yeah. they mentioned my me and 1-800-FAIR-OFFER in Philadelphia, even though I'm not in the Philadelphia market. But they said, you know, here's this company that's sending out postcards and they're offering a fair offer well is it really a fair offer and you know (laughs) you can imagine the slant you know something like that would take and uh it's just becoming you know it's becoming more prevalent in the media because there's so much more of it than there was 10 years ago you know yeah go ahead gina yeah i was just gonna say i think that's also just a reflection of the fact that now it's harder to find deals than it was even five years ago right absolutely Absolutely. I mean, they're there, but we got to chase them. Well, a lot more investors are doing direct mail now because, uh, the you know, it's just harder to find deals on the MLS. Um, there's no more. Well, there, there are still, but harder to find properties at the auction, the courthouse. Yeah. And, um, you know, our postcard that we're sending, it's nothing out of the ordinary or obnoxious. Um, and the lady who called, or whoever it was who called, they were polite. They weren't angry or rude. But I was just surprised that was it a city worker or an attorney or no, it was somebody who worked for the city. Well, I mean, that could be, you know, just because that person felt that way about that kind of marketing, you know, it's very subjective. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Yeah. We're sending a lot of postcards out right now and, and, um, a lot of other investors are too. And this is a hot area, you know, this is an area that it's easy to wholesale deals in, um, but geez, you know, there's there's certain people out there who just do not like investors. Right. No, they do not like the fact that somebody can go in and buy a house, fix it up, either sell it or rent it out, and make money on it. That's the the government. Yeah, that's that's what I've said. You know, I've thought about trying to approach this from you know a standpoint of approaching the media and say, do you really want to know the truth? You know, about flipping and taking people through what actually it all goes through and not even from a glitzy glammy reality TV style, but you know, here's what it takes to find the deal. Okay, great. Now we found the deal. Well, the journey has just begun. (laughs) Now we got to go out and we got to figure out what we're going to do to this house. We got to plan what we're going to do to the house. We've got to figure out what materials we're going to put into the house, find a contractor, deal with the contractor, deal with appraisers, deal with realtors, deal with, Buyers do you hope somebody gets financed, deal with all these different things that, you know, people just say, oh, you flipped that house and you made $50,000. Well, you know, the, it, it's the risk is proportionate to the reward. That's what I would say. You know, if you're going to yeah. go out there and put your money out there 
and not knowing what the market is going to do tomorrow, you are taking a risk. You're putting your money out there and taking a risk. Not you're not just showing up at at a place to work with a job that's provided for you, not nothing against anybody like that, but you're not just showing up to a job that's provided for you. You are the one that's going out there and putting your neck on the line, putting your money on the line, really putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And and you're rewarded for it. You yeah. know, so, there's also I mean, a lot of risk as well that you yeah, take into an account. The bottom could fall out. You just, you just don't know. So got to well, keep your eye on the market. But, you know, the thing about flipping houses, and I don't really quite understand why investors get a bad name sometimes. But look, how many people are making money because of us? You know, the real estate agent, the contractor, the, the property yeah. manager, the neighborhood is nicer. Somebody got an improved home. I mean, to me, it's all good. Well, that's the that's that was the whole thing with the Philadelphia article. It was they tried to base it on gentrification, which is basically taking an area that was downtrodden and now it's starting to get better. So now all the wealthy people are coming back into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you think that happens? Right. A developer comes in and puts his neck on the line and puts mm-hmm. a whole bunch of money out there and fixes up huge areas. Exactly. Did he do this because he just felt like he wanted to go do all that as a charity profit and if there was no incentive to do it then obviously then it's not you know he's not going to do it but like you said it has a trickle down effect mm. now more taxes will be given to the city because right. property values are higher now there's going to be more you know the, the mortgage broker gets to create that mortgage or originate that mortgage and he gets paid the realtor mm-hmm. gets to sell a home and she gets paid from that and the title company does their thing and there, you know, so it's creating flow in the economy, you know, I mean, in, in so many different other ways, you know, especially on commercial side, now there's stores coming in. So now there's more revenue coming into the city that way. And then they've got to pay taxes on it. It's, you know, it all yep. starts with the development. And bottom line is you, you can't trust the government or think that the government can do this better or do it on their own. They can't. Yeah. They tried that in the 60s and 70s. Look what happened. We have all these projects that they're now tearing down. And you just can't rely on government to do this stuff. Well, anyway, that's our, that's our stump. We'll get off of that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, Gina, um, Gina, we, talk about, we were talking about it before. You, know, um, you, you, um, you were a, a lady getting started in the business who faced a lot of obstacles. Sure. And, and, can you talk to some other women maybe who are listening to this? And I hope there are some women who are listening to this. Yeah. But can you talk to the ladies out there listening to this thinking, you know what, I want to do what Gina does? Sure, sure. You know, one of the things I think, whether you're a man or a woman, is that it doesn't matter what experience or background you have as you come into this business, which happens to make it perfect for somebody like me who had been a stay-at-home mom for like 20 years, right? Yeah. But we all bring our set of life experiences and our own innate strengths to the table in this because really real estate is a people business. It's talking to other human beings and solving issues. It's a marketing business, as somebody I know has been known to say, Joe, right? Yes. And, and, and what is marketing except, again, reaching out to other humans and finding out what they need and solving their problems? Now, who is better equipped to solve problems 
than somebody who's been home raising a family. I want to ask you that, okay? Nobody. I mean, women, I believe, are natural multitaskers. Yeah. Um, You know, we can juggle more balls than a man any day. I challenge you, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that if we can just realize how valuable we are as women, what our life experiences can bring to bear in this, that we can stand tall and just step forward into the market. You know, when I first started... Well, I guess I was about a year or so in because I was actually giving a pitch uh, to some potential private money investors. And I had a woman in the room, actually was my husband's boss from a large company here in Seattle. And she was kind of coming as a favor. Actually, I was hoping she'd give me money, which she never did. Excuse me. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. You never hope somebody gives you money. You extend them an opportunity to invest, right? right? And I was hoping she would accept my opportunity to invest. She didn't. But what she did was more valuable to me. She sat down for an hour with me and mentored me. And she said, and I think this applies to so many women, she goes, Gina, you're like 70 to 80% there, but you're not speaking with that complete confidence. It's like you're kind of wavering and you're feeling like you need to lean on someone else. Because I think, again, for a woman, we so often do either voluntarily or just the way the culture is, end up kind of taking that second seat and somebody else is in the charge there. And she said to me, you need to stand tall and solid. You need to feel like you're a tree whose roots go deep down into the ground and nothing can sway you. And you know, because you know, because you know. And that was incredibly enlightening to me. And I I, I think that any woman knows because they know, okay? None of us have all the information, but you know who you are. You know God gave you some gifts. You know nobody else has the gifts you do. Nobody can accomplish what I can accomplish or what Alex can accomplish or what, you know, this potential real estate investor out there might be able to accomplish. And if we don't use our unique talents and our experience from our past, I think we're cheating the world. So, you know, you just kind of got to, Pull up your pants and tighten the suspenders and go out there. That's good. Yeah, I can really relate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a bad joke. Sorry. But, you know, I, I saw something. It was on MSN News a year or so ago, and it was about women reentering the workforce. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, so many women do put their careers on hold. I mean, I had a great career, but whether I had had a great career or not really doesn't matter because I'm stepping out as if I'd never done anything. And, you know, what are you going to do? People who have lost their husband or been in divorce or just did what I did and stepped out of the workplace for a while, what are you going to make? I mean, you're lucky to make fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 a year. And that's not even a good flip. Get one deal done, right? Yeah, Which it's incredible. Is, it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> So I think number one is we just need to get the word out to more women that this exists and it's time to get in the game. That's really good. Do you know of any, um, I know I've heard there once, I've heard there's a group in LA that is specifically for women real estate investors. Mm. And I heard about that on a Bigger Pockets podcast. I wish I could remember who it was. You know, it's funny, the guy who was talking about it was a guy and he actually. See, this is the thing. (laughs) He snuck in. He, oh, I forget. I wish I could remember who this was. If anybody remembers, go ahead and put a comment in the show notes. But it was a really good episode. There was a, um, there's a ladies group in L.A. 
Uh-huh. And um, they are really good at creating accountability in this group. So you join the group, and if you don't perform, you they kick you out. That's great. <laughs> they give you, like, you come up with your own actions at your things that you're supposed to do, and then everybody uh-huh. holds you accountable to that. But I thought, what a great model. And there needs to be things like, I'm glad there's something like that for the women, but there's got to be something like that for the men, too, out there. Um, but that's interesting because I think there's a really big need for something like that, just like you're talking about, Gina. And, um, you know, well, I don't know, maybe that's an opportunity for you to consider later on down the road or maybe absolutely. there's opportunities in, in, in Seattle where you could do something like that. Yep. Well, we're, we're kind of working on some stuff that's kind of half, half baked at the moment, but uh, a good friend of mine and a, another mentor in the same group, uh, Younger woman by the name of Andrea Wiley, absolutely adore her. Um, she and I are working on some programs and, and a book and so forth that, although it's for everybody, is definitely going to have some special attractions for women. So we're, we're trying to get out there and do that. You know, I was coached and mentored. One of my coaches was Wendy Patton. Oh, yeah. When I got started way back um, in 2005, 2006, I bought her book. And I bought her course, and she had a little group coaching program. And she was the hardest coach I've ever had. Like mm. when I got on the phone with her, she's like, I had some questions and she said, well, okay. Um, do you remember in the book where I said to do this? I said, uh, <laughs> yeah. You Have you done it yet? No. So why are we talking? <laughs> Basically it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like a mom. <laughs> yeah. So get out there and, and do it and then call me back. Exactly. And, you know, Joe, I got to say, uh, when I got to hear you the other day at the St. Louis Club meeting there, uh, you put some of that accountability in your own education, it sounds like, you know, yeah. you either do this or you're out. And I think that's that's outstanding. And if I may, I just want to yeah. take a minute here and, and thank you for the education you put out there. Um, you know, when I first came across you, it was I had gotten an email from someone or another about one of your courses. I think it's called Leads in an Hour. Uh-huh. And uh, my son and I, my son is my partner the last several months, um, and we sat down and took that course, and it so helped us systematize, understand more the importance of marketing, getting wow. some VAs and all that, and, you know, it's nice. really, really helped us grow. So I want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. If anybody, it's still available, too. It's a, it's a, um, it's a really good course. It's only 97 bucks. Yeah. And if you, go to, deal. if you go to oneourleads.com, you spell one out, O-N-E, our leads with an S, oneourleads.com, you can get more information about that. Um, but that's awesome. I didn't, I think you, t- I remember you telling me that, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize it. it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and here's what I mean about doors in life. Okay. I honestly do think there's, there, there's a plan for us, for each of us. And everybody's plan has got its own twists and turns, but you know, that's how I found you. Then I end up in St. Louis teaching a class, and then I'm looking for real estate club meetings for my class to go to. I find there's one that night, and who's there but you? I mean, yeah. is that meant to be or what? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was good, too. I was camping that weekend, and uh, I, actually, I actually came back from our camp to go to that um, speaking event, and um, I was really glad I did. I had so much fun. That was good. Gina, let me ask you a couple, one more question before we go here. Sure. Um, if you were dropped off in a new city and you had no money or very little money, just a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you couldn't go back to see your family until you made five grand flipping a deal. So you're in a new city. You don't know anybody there. Um, you don't have any sellers or buyers. You know, you don't have money for a bunch of marketing, but you have a little bit of money and you need to 
flip a deal or do something to make five grand before you could go home, what would you do? Yeah. Um, first thing I would do would be to contact a bunch of buyers because that's so easy. The easiest way to find buyers is to go onto Google and say, we buy houses in quotes plus sign name of whatever city you've just dumped me off in. Okay. Okay. Get on the phone, talk to those buyers, find out what they're buying, where, for how much. And that would take me, you know, a couple hours. Yeah. And have, have that task done. I'd probably have a good dozen to two dozen buyers that I've talked to by then. Maybe I need to allow another hour for callbacks, right? Because what human always answers their phone anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so now I've got my mission. Now I know what people want. So I've got to go find it. So what am I going to do? Next thing I'm going to do is going to find a real estate agent. Going to get listings for those neighborhoods. Going to throw in a whole bunch of offers. But that's not going to be enough. I'm going to go to Craigslist. I'm going to look for homes for sale by owner. Or... Houses that are obviously listed by other investors. See if I can't co-wholesale a deal. Okay. Going to put banded signs in the ground. Going to put ads on Craigslist. And I'm going to get a deal in my hand in the next, I don't know, certainly within five, six days. Match it up with that buyer and get paid. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> so <laughs> difficult. Not anywhere near as complicated as taking care of an 18-month-old. i got to tell you that. <laughs> Man, I tell you, Gina, you... You mothers, stay-at-home moms, have the hardest, most difficult job in the world. Thank you for recognizing that. Totally. No, I absolutely recognize that. My wife is amazing with what she does. I mean, mm-hmm. I have I have four children, and my oldest is five years old. Wow. <laughs> so my wow. wife goes lady a break. from morning till night into the night because the baby, okay. you know, needs oh. to eat at night and she's the only one that can feed the baby. <laughs> so, you know, I, I will say this too. Uh, my wife is awesome. I got to give, she could run this business way better than I could <laughs> if she was involved. And I, I'm hoping once, you know, the, so we're, we have four kids, we're homeschooling them as well. Um, and because that's we're homeschooling. another layer right there. <laughs> yeah, that's another challenge. But we just hired a nanny and she's awesome. Really, really awesome. And um, those of you out there thinking about this, and Alex, I would suggest you go check out this website, care.com. Oh, of Um, course. It's fantastic. Even if you just want a babysitter, Mm -hmm. care.com is a great place to go. Yeah, um, it is. Because you can, people will submit their resumes, and and care.com will actually do basic background checks on them. And uh, we'll also, you can read reviews from other people that have used them before. Um, Another good site like that is College Nannies. One of my daughters used to work there. Oh, really? They do the same type of thing. Yep. So um, it's been great because she just helps with our youngest, our, our three-year-old. She helps make lunches. She does run some errands and go shopping. And um, she also helps make dinners, like, for multiple days. And um, just the kids love her. And it, I know some people are thinking, man, I could never do that. That's like would be outrageously expensive. You'll be shocked at how cheap it is. Hmm. And um, she's very affordable. Now, we are doing really well, right? I mean, we're making good money, so we can't handle it. And I can understand why some people maybe aren't in that position yet. Yeah. But instead of asking, instead of thinking, I could never do that, change the question around and say, how could I do that? Mm-hmm. How could we as a family afford somebody like that to help us? Um, because raising kids is the hardest job in the world. It's the most important job in the world. And, and most involved job in the world. Right. You can't outsource that. <laughs> and <laughs> you must advisable. be constantly engaged. <laughs> yes. So um, just something to think about. I'm going to also mention another site. One of my favorite sites 
is HireMyMom.com. Have you ever heard of this, Gina? Well, just the other night when you mentioned it, and I'm starting to look into that. Yeah, there's a lot of stay-at-home moms that are looking for work. And um, so if you go to HireMyMom.com, there's a lot of ladies out there, very highly educated, who are staying at home, who'd like to work Mm -hmm. for other entrepreneurs or real estate investors. And, um, you know, I, I know some people that will never outsource to the Philippines because they... They just want um, the most qualified, best, best qualified candidate they can get. And many times you can only find those kinds of people in the U.S. Um, so, but anyway, HireMyMom.com. If you've never heard of that, you should check it out, guys. It's a good site to go to if you want to hire a stay-at-home mom. Perfect. Um, and then, while you're, after you hire them, train them, how to, train them how to do real estate. Teach them how to do deals. So, Gina, do you have any uh, final comments, words of sage advice that you want to like to give out to folks? Well, I, I think the thing is that in our culture, we so often get comfortable and therefore complacent, and we just let life happen. And I, I really believe that the real estate market allows us an opportunity, no matter who you are and where you are, to change that, to kind of live life on your own terms. And that sounds all kind of, you know, philosophical and this and that, but it's true. And the thing that you have to get in order before you have success in any endeavor is your mindset. You've got to really look at what your thoughts are and are you thinking negatively? Do you have limiting beliefs or do you have beliefs that give you full of possibilities? I recently got to go to a Tony Robbins event. Blew me away. Hmm. Um, So, you know, and Dean's got one of his first books. It's like 10 years old now, but it's awesome. It's called Totally Fulfilled. You've got to, first of all, get control of your mind and how you think and what you believe you can accomplish because you're going to accomplish what you believe you can. Yeah. That's good. Really good. Thank you. Gina, is there a way anybody can get a hold of you? Do you have a website or an email address? Sure. Um, I'll give you my website. Um, <laughs> I'm not, it's, it's not entirely up to date, so I wish it was better, but you can reach me via there. My website is Victory Ventures Buys Houses.com. Okay, Victory Ventures with an S. Mm-hmm. Buys, buys Houses. With an S. Yep. You can also reach me via LinkedIn. Gina Heredis or Facebook. I have a Victory Ventures page on Facebook. So it's Gina, G-E-N-A, Heredis, H-O-R-I-A-T-I-S. Find me out there. I'd love to hook up, especially any of you ladies that might be listening. Let's get some business done. Let's change the world. Yeah, excellent. I mean, is there, Gina, maybe you could start a, a, a Facebook group for real estate investing women. Have you thought about that? No, I have not, but I'll do it today, Joe. That's an outstanding suggestion. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and, and Alex has a really good group, um, Wholesaling Houses Full-Time, everybody. My, my website, Facebook group, is Wholesaling Lease Options Part-Time. Nice. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Bad joke. But, but um, Gina, there's some really good groups out there on Facebook, and Alex does a real good job of keeping his active and uh-huh. keeping the, the spammers out and stuff like that, but... That might be an opportunity for you that uh, I think a lot of women who are listening to this, if you go to connect with Gina at Facebook or LinkedIn, um, maybe she'll send you an invite or something like that. You can look for it. I think it's a, yeah, and you can keep the group open or closed. You know, you can change your security so that 
only people who are in the group can see what the stuff that's posted. Okay. Um, but cool. Gina, you've been a great host. Thank sure, you. Sure. Appreciate you being on the show. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I, and I've, I told you this before and I'm going to make it public. So everybody knows and anybody who knows Dean, or if you had talked to Dean next, I'd love to have him on the show. <laughs> I yeah. will pass that on. I did mention him to you or you to him and said you were hoping to meet one day and talk some business. So I'll, I'll keep pushing on that for you, Joe. <laughs> I know he works with uh, Sean Terry a little bit. Yep. He's friends, mutual friends of Alex's and mine. But cool. uh, just tell Dean that our podcast is better than Sean's. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And All I, right. And Sean knows that. Sean, Sean knows that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. It's nothing new. He knows that. He tells me all the time. <laughs> Joe, I wish my podcast was as good as yours and Alex's. Well, I'll, you know, <laughs> Dean, Dean does have a pretty packed schedule. I can't make promises, but I'll, I'll uh, keep pushing on it. And you guys ought to get yourself to the edge of that in Scottsdale in May. It's awesome. Yeah. So let me write Scottsdale. that down. Scottsdale. Edge mm-hmm. event. Is that his annual event? Yep. Once a year event. Scottsdale, and what's the dates again? Let me see that. It's May 2nd to 4th, I think. May 2nd to 4th, 2014. Yep, yep. It's and always, usually at the Fire Sky Resort. Sounds nice. Yeah, it's an awesome. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of Dean alumni, so to speak, that go there every year, so there's great camaraderie, but we're always inviting new folks. Yeah, it's the first to third, excuse me, just looked it up, first to third. So keep your eye on DeanGraziosi.com. Keep your eye on my newly-to-be-formed Facebook page. I might let you guys in as honorary men, but so you can see when it is. But I'll be be speaking there, and I'd I'd love to see everybody. And Dean, of course, will be there. I'll pretend to be a woman in your face. (laughs) Oh, no, Joe. Gosh, no. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, boy. That was horrible. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, May. But uh, that's now, a long now you do. Yeah, now you I do guess. know. That's awesome. I'd love to go to that. <laughs> okay, good. We better call this quits before you say something else more stupid. Before you are doing things that we don't even want to be talking about. <laughs> right. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Gina. Thanks, Alex. Everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. We had a lot of uh, good notes in here and websites and Gina's contact information. We'll put that in the show notes. And um, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for being on. And I thank you, Alex. Thank you, Gina. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Take care.